The impact of COVID-19 across the world has been devastating and felt by everyone. All over the world, there's fear and uncertainty as lives are lost, economies are being shattered, and what we know as normal life has been uprooted from us. We now find ourselves distanced from each other and left to navigate an unpredictable reality. I'm Justin Keller, your host. I'm certainly no expert on COVID-19, and I'm definitely not an expert on being human. But what I do know is that we must combat the fear and uncertainty that we face by fighting for optimism, and we must do this together. The Bright Side Chats is a series here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast to help share how people like you are navigating this trying season and what they're doing to fight for optimism despite the unknown, the struggles, and the concerns that they have. You'll hear from business owners, parents, fitness experts, mental health professionals, and more. The goal is not to give you an answer. I don't think there is one answer for us to navigate this. The goal is to bring us together at a time when we need each other the most so we can rise above this together. Be sure to subscribe and tune in daily for short interviews to encourage you to fight for optimism and find the bright side together. Welcome to another episode here inside of this special series called Bright Side Chats here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host, and the Fight for Brilliance podcast is a show where every single week the conversation is designed to challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and to help you fight for brilliance in every area of your lives. And specifically inside of this series, it's supposed to be 30 interviews in 30 days. I'm so close. This is interview number 26. But these conversations inside of the series are designed to help us fight for optimism and to find the bright side through all that's going on. And to do that, I'm just sharing with you stories of people who I feel exemplify that. And so Joseph Levenstein is one of those stories. uh, And he shares today kind of his never give up attitude that drives his life and has helped him overcome setbacks. It's a timely conversation as many of us are maybe facing disappointment, facing um, circumstances that we didn't foresee and we've got to keep going and we've got to figure out a new way. And so you're going to hear that from his story today. So wherever you listen to this, I want to encourage you before you get into this, hit subscribe so you don't miss a single conversation. And I appreciate everybody who's rating and reviewing the show if you have a second to do that. And then if this conversation helped you or you've loved the other conversations, please share it with two or three people. And so now let's get into this conversation here today and talk about never giving up with Yosef Levenstein. Uh, Yosef, thanks so much for making time to chat, man, right now. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for reaching out, Justin. Yeah. So I saw your story on one of the websites here in Houston locally. And um, one of the things I realized about your story that I thought would be relevant for the chats that we're having here is you're really no stranger to setbacks. No. And a lot of people are experiencing that right now. They're worried about the economy, having to reinvent themselves even in what could be a recession. And so just give people a little background on your experience with setbacks and even recessions. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I graduated from college in 2008 in New York City. And I had the dream of being an investment banker. Um, in 2007, I had an internship at Bear Stearns on their credit default swap trading desk, which, you know, for people familiar with the financial crisis was a contributing factor to it. 
so I sort of got into the industry on the tail end of, of the gravy train. And, um, in 2008, I had lined up a pretty, uh, promising career path and, and job at, at one of the largest investment banks in the world on their credit default swap trading desk. Um, but when everything fell apart towards the end of 2008, um, that job evaporated along with many other jobs. So at that moment in time, I was a recent graduate from college, uh, newlywed, and really had to figure out what I was going to do next. Um, I was going for job interviews at different financial institutions and interviewing for entry-level jobs with people that had 20 years of experience in competition with me. So it was very challenging. And so I really needed to figure out what I was going to do. And I basically decided on a few things. One, you know, finance and capital markets was something that was always my passion and interest. So I wanted to make sure that somehow I stay within that realm. Uh, two was that I just needed to get experience, right? And, you know, recent graduate, no real work experience. I just need to get a job. And uh, three, that um, while I was willing to take any job at the time, um, you know, keeping my eye on that path that I had decided that I wanted to, to pursue, which was in financial services and, and so stay on that track. Yeah. Well, for some people, a setback like that can be debilitating and just take them out completely. You know, you had your eyes set on something, something promised even to you, a, a dream job probably at, to some degree at the time. Um, but you figured out a way to just keep moving forward. And so I was curious going through that setback, how do you think it has prepared you for other tough seasons, whether that's even right now or other previous seasons, how did that initial setback help prepare you? Sure. So I am my own harshest critic and I tell that to my bosses all the time. So one of the main things I learned from that was that at you want to do the best job possible, but understand that everyone is replaceable. And so, you know, always sort of in the back of your mind, be prepared for that opportunity. And what I often tell people is, you know, show your employer the same loyalty as they show you. And that doesn't mean to constantly be looking for another job. It just means don't fool yourself into thinking that no matter what happens, you're safe. Because at the end of the day, business is business. And when you're, when you're working and, and, you know, even if you're a profit center to your company, when times get tough, the company needs to do what's right for itself. And so, you know, in the back of your mind, you want to always remember, like, you know, no one is invincible. No one is indispensable. Um, and at the same time, you know, put your full into the job that you have, because the best way of avoiding being the first on the chopping block is to be one of the best at what you do. So if you're passive about what you're doing because you think you can go at any time, you're going to be the first to go. So, so that marriage between the two notions of I want to do the best that I possibly can, but at the same time, understand that at any moment, um, you know, if things get rough, you, you may be let go. Um, it's just important to have that mentality yeah. and, and, and especially when you're sort of building a career. What I would say too, just even thinking about the season that we're in right now, uh, sort of reminds you of what you're describing is that healthy paranoia is you get too comfortable sometimes with something and 
when it's stripped away from you, that's probably when it's the hardest versus your approach, which sounds like I'm going to give it my all, but I'm also going to be a realistic and set expectations here that I'm not relying on them to make sure that I have security. And so that's a, that's an interesting perspective. Um, Cause it can sound, it could sound like you don't want to commit to the job, but that's not at all what you're saying. No, quite the opposite. Yeah. And, and it stems from, you know, and I remember I had a conversation with my cousin before I was starting, I was meant to start my job. It was, you know, the, the, it was me, my wife, him and his wife, and we were out for dinner and we were both going into investment banking. And I made this statement at the time that was sort of like, well, you know, if we lose our jobs, then the economy is really in trouble. And not because we were so valuable, but just because you're working at the world's largest financial institutions. I had a signed contract, signing bonus, you know, everything was lined up. So it's like, you know, if I lose my job, then things are really bad. And, and the assumption at the time was, but that's not going to happen. But then it did happen. So that life lesson puts me in the perspective of saying, you know what, even if you have a signed contract with a signing bonus and everything is lined up and perfect, that could fall through. So therefore, you know, anything else can happen. But at the same time, do your best work, you know, smart and, and, and productively um, to minimize yeah. the, the risk of that. So when you're in between, you know, you had, you've had that season of, I'm going to take on whatever job I need right now. Um, you know, just to provide, it's not what I really, really want. What do you feel like you learned in those waiting moments? So, you know, 2008 was interesting because I was an experience. So literally I was like, I ended up taking a job as like a personal assistant at some like web marketing agency. And it was awful. Um, on multiple levels. And at the same time, I still looked and I was like, okay, there's things I can learn here, even if it's what not to do when running a business. Um, the, the other time that I was, uh, that I was in between work was later on in my career, um, back in around 2009. And at that point I already had a, you know, a few years of experience and I sort of had zeroed in on this content marketing, financial marketing area that I was pretty good at. Um, and so I was looking at, but again, you know, married, had a kid at the, had one kid at the time. Now we have three, uh, but I had one kid at the time. And so, you know, the pressure to find a job was even greater. And so I was applying to all kinds of different jobs. The job I ended up getting was exactly aligned with what I was looking to do in financial services and, and content marketing. And so my takeaway from that was, you know, of course, you have to apply to as many jobs as possible. But at the end of the day, you're going to do the best job interviewing and sort of standing out at the jobs at that point when you have more experience that are a good fit for your skill sets. So um, so that's one, like, you know, apply to many jobs, but, you know, keep in the back of your mind that when those jobs show up that are a good fit for your skill sets, like hit them and hit them hard. Um, the second thing was never give up. Um, it's very easy to sort of sink into the situation of saying, oh, you know, I've applied to, you know, 700 jobs this week and I haven't heard back from a single one of them. And it's easy to get into despair and give up. If you give up, you're definitely not going to find something, right? So you just, you just can't give up and you mm -hmm. keep on applying, um, and you need to keep on looking. The third part is, and this is the interesting part, I've actually never really found that, you know, the right job on my own. 
Um, when I left from that personal assistant job, I moved into financial technology and I was working at a, at a, at a brokerage. I got that job because the, one of the people I was working with at that agency knew that I was miserable and was like, hey, I saw this financial services job. It's really entry level, whatever, but maybe it's the right fit for you. And then from there, my next job that I got at another at a startup um, was one of the people at that brokerage firm was like, hey, I, and I was actually very happy there and very doing very well. But he was like, hey, my wife works at the startup. I think it could be a really good fit for you. Why don't you apply for this job? Got that, et cetera, et cetera. Even my most recent job before this one, um, I got it because I posted something on LinkedIn about how it's 2009 and how is it possible that job hunting is so inefficient. And then someone messaged me like, hey, I didn't realize you're looking for a job. And it was someone I had done business with at my previous role. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, I'm, I'm at this other startup. You know, maybe you should meet the CEO. The irony was he thought I was in New York. And he's like, I'll let you know the next time the CEO is in New York. And I'm like, oh, actually, I'm in Houston. He's like, oh, the CEO is in Houston. So <laughs> all these things sort of, I mean, you could say it's serendipity. You can say it's breadcrumbs, whatever you want. But at the end of it, it's also just perseverance and not giving yeah. up. Um, and, and, and sort of keeping your eye on the target, but really the main thing is never give up. You know, and, and that's sort of a, one of my favorite rappers is Eminem and, and he says that all the time. And it's really true. Like you just can't give up no matter how hard it is, no matter how beat down you are, you got to keep pushing. I know. And I think about that. I, I like that a lot thinking about this season because a lot of us are having to rethink so many things. A lot of people even having to find new work. Um, just a new way of things in life. The never give up mentality is something I, I think is just super relevant uh, right now. So I appreciate you, you sharing that. What's something that, um, I know it's a tough season for everybody and I don't want to dismiss that all, but I also like to focus on the beautiful things that are happening, the good things that can be happening. And so what's something good that you've been experiencing in your life personally right now in this season? So, it's, it's one of these things that there's actually very little downside to it. You know, people complain about the homeschooling and having their kids home and we're in a relatively small apartment with three kids and it's you know, headquarters. <laughs> there's literally no scenario I can think of in a normal situation that I would be able to spend as much time as I'm spending with my children. There's none. To the extent that my son, like I've, I feel like I've gotten to know him better than I ever did. He's only four, but I've gotten to know him at a level that I never could have before. Um, you know, people often talk about quality over quantity when it comes to spending time with your children. But this is showing me that there is a strong value to quantity, just spending, you know, those hours. It's almost like content production or writing or anything else. You spend more time at it, just things happen. Um, so being able to spend all this time with, with our children has been unbelievable. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, again, small apartment tight quarters, we're going on family walks at least once a day, usually twice a day. Um, and these are over an hour long and, you know, the kids are talking and they're looking at things and, you know, just experiencing things and we're doing the same route, but you know, that also has been really amazing. Um, and my wife and I, on those walks, we actually just talk, right? And mm -hmm. even though we're home all day together, we're both working full time and doing the homeschooling. So we talk, but not as much as we would, but like when these walks happen, we, we get those talks. And so the quantity of time that we're being, that we're able to spend with our family, with our children is, is truly a uh, silver lining to something that's as horrible as this, this pandemic. 
Um, and you know, the, the, uh, these family walks. And then the last thing I just read this in an article yesterday was, you know, basically it was about like, you know, what are the loopholes in social, uh, distancing? And, and the answer was there are none stay home. Don't be stupid. Right. But at the end of it, the article <laughs> says, if you're one of the people that's actually fortunate enough to emerge from this healthy and employed, you are truly one of the fortunate ones. And, you know, obviously we're still in the midst of it, but you know, I, I view myself as one of the fortunate ones in that sense. Man, those perspectives, each area that you just touched on are yeah, so beautiful. I mean, I have a five-year-old son and I mean, I teared up a little bit when you're sitting there talking about that time when, because man, I, I'll take the struggle that comes with this right now to see what I've seen in a month with him. It's like, the connection was good, but how much it's been deepened and, and at the accelerated rate that it's been deepened, yep. it just blows my mind. And so I, it really does make you think about that a lot. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I'm glad you're taking advantage of the opportunity to see that. Yeah, um, Man, I, I just geek out with dads who love their families like you do. And so I appreciate that so much. All right, let's close it off on something lighthearted. Sure. Forget about protecting your family. Forget about saving anyone else. <laughs> For, just do what you need right now. So what is a non-essential item, a guilty pleasure of yours that you'd have to have if you were stuck inside that room right there for two weeks? Call of Duty Warzone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Perfect. Are you teaching your son at all how to how to play? He's crazy. No too way, early, man. right? It's way too violent. Um, but he <laughs> does. He is a gamer. Uh, he plays Roblox and uh, he plays the mobile Call of Duty because it's a little bit less violent. He's actually pretty good. <laughs> whatever. But um, no, but Call of Duty Warzone or like an infinite amount of Lego sets. Those would be the two things yeah. that if I had to walk myself in here, I would I would take with me. That's awesome. Um, by the way, you said you're from New York. Nope. Oh, you're originally from Houston? Nope. <laughs> Where are you from? Born in Toronto. Okay. Grew up in Jerusalem. Okay. Went to college in New York. And my wife and I moved to Houston seven years ago. Well, I was, we have a very interesting <laughs> background there, but I was also concerned about you if you were originally from New York with the Astros hat in the background, I was worried about people finding you. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a good point. Um, I'm a blue Jays fan. Um, <laughs> okay. the blue Jays play the Astros. I'm rooting for the blue Jays, but in all other scenarios, I'm rooting for the Astros and the blue Jays equally. Um, yeah, Houston is our adoptive city. The, the interesting thing is, is that, and I'm not a big sports person. I grew up watching CNBC on my father's lap, not sports. Um, we, you know, my dad and I, when we talk, we talk about the markets and macroeconomics and, and, and things that people generally don't care about. Um, but the Texans are actually my purest Houston team because there's no NFL team in Toronto. So there's no conflict, right? Not Raptors versus the Rockets, not Blue Jays versus the Astros. I mean, the Maple Leafs are obviously, you know, Toronto's hockey team and and there's no competition there, but, um, but yeah, the Texans are also, so you're right. And my Toronto friends always rail on me when I post pictures on Instagram of myself in an Astros hat. Um, (laughs) but you know, it's still my, it's my team and, and, and I root for them. That's great. Well, man, thank you so much for making time for this. (laughs) Well, I was trying to make sure you weren't because if you were, I might not have aired this episode. (laughs) All right, man. Yosef, 
this was great connecting with you. I appreciate it so much. You can stay connected with Yosef and to do so, you can click on the links right there inside of the show notes wherever you're listening to this or on the episode page at brightsidechats.com. One of my favorite things is his Instagram profile says, I'm a husband and a father and it says all that before what he does professionally and you could hear that priority and that heart from him just in this conversation. So I, I love that about him and feel grateful to be connected with him now through this conversation and hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, if you want to be part of the Fight for Brilliance community beyond this series, beyond this episode, just text the word brilliant to the number 33777 to sign up for the Fight for Brilliance weekly email that goes out. And again, this is a weekly show right now. I'm doing a daily episode for 30 days. There's four more left. So I encourage you to stay tuned, check those out. Um, But Starting the following week, uh, let's see here, I believe that'll be the last week of April that we will move into the regular format with weekly shows. And again, every conversation is either an interview or a solo episode with myself that's designed to challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and to fight for brilliance in every area of your lives. And so thanks for being part of this community. And again, hit subscribe to be part of uh, this show moving forward. And thank you for rating and reviewing it and stay connected with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, you can do that by finding me everywhere using the handle at Keller. Thanks. Thanks so much for being part of these conversations and tuning in today. I'll see you tomorrow for another bright side chat here on the fight for brilliance podcast. <laughs>